Welcome back to a new episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Uh, it has been an interesting time, not just in the political world, but I think in the global world as well. Uh, a lot of things are happening. We're going to start locally and talk about some developments, talk about uh, some larger companies within the state of Illinois, talk about also the congestion tax uh, that is soon to hit Chicago, give you an update on the impeachment trial and deal with just some business news. Stay tuned for another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. State Farm is on the decline. Uh, The nation's largest U.S. auto insurer uh, is reporting a market share drop in the year 2019. Surprisingly, Geico uh, has come up as the front runner as trying to become the biggest U.S. car insurer in the U.S. State Farm's net worth 2019 totaled to about $101 billion. Uh, 2019 was a mild growth a year for State Farm uh, with growth coming in as auto policies uh, from the majority of states, but it actually lost market dominance in the state of Arizona, Maine, Virginia uh, by a whole percentage point reported by Steve Daniels. My thoughts, I mean, State Farm has the brand. Obviously, you see the NBA superstar Chris Paul. You see the amazing commercials. Uh, So there's just an automatic brand recognition. But as the economy develops and more and more entries into the marketplace, uh, what is going to differentiate, especially attract uh, younger uh, insurers, uh, ultimately is price uh, and um, I would say service offering. Uh, you know, you can't justify uh, a certain premium with another insurer that's able to provide similar coverage, uh, able to have the technical uh, backing, the technology package that uh, makes it convenient to have this insurer and then it can offer a lower price point. You lose your advantage. I mean, brand recognition is great, uh, but affordability is better than uh, predictability in a sense. Uh, so, as more and more competitors into the market and more and more companies are understanding the need to have a value proposition for starting at the price point, uh, premium insurers like State Farm will be uh, volatile. Now, it doesn't mean that State Farm is going to just crumble and their dominance is going to just dissipate and basically they'll be having to fight for scratch, but it does state that basically things will become more niche and companies will have to Uh, loosen their broad stroke and focus on more of a tactical presence to acquire companies. So right now, uh, State Farm is still number one. Be on the lookout for rising competitors. The Chicago real estate market is on fire, but it is not a consuming fire. Uh, Dennis Rodkin goes on to write that a 19th century home on Dearborn Street is sold for over $3 million, half of what it costs to rehab it. Currently, there are 13 Gulf Coast houses that are on the market for over $3 million. Uh, I think the problem uh, that is occurring in the uh, consistency of homes selling beneath uh, the potential rehab is that price gouging is a real thing. And even though Chicago is a hot real estate market and basically real estate market trending is hot and is increasing, you can't overprice and you can't price yourself out. Uh, there's definitely a demand for buying, but it's only, like I said, a very niche uh, demand. And you're getting a lot of rental uh, uh, demographic that is 
definitely having its face and being a factor in urban metropolises. Uh, so when you price something like above 3.5 million, obviously you're speaking to a certain clientele, a certain base. Most people just don't have $3.5 million or can qualify for a $3.5 million loan. So uh, you're going to really deal with a few far and in between. And I think to stay competitive, you don't want to price yourself out. Uh, So what's happening uh, is that obviously there is interest, but it's always going to come down to the price. Affordability is everything. Uh, And even though Chicago is going through a revamp, uh, things like urban development, urban renewal, gentrification, you know, working closer to jobs uh, is a definite sw- uh, swinging and influencing factor. Uh, it also means that, you know, you, you need to have it priced to a point that it is attractive. And right now, you know, people are not going to pay top dollar for something that they're going to have to sit on. Uh, so this is the current trend. My thoughts is that when uh, the market becomes more price fixated to the consumer, uh, you will have a higher demand. Uh, As far as the impeachment update is concerned, uh, great article by Dari Gregorian this past uh, Thursday, Democrats have homed in on their charge that the president, uh, President Donald Trump has abused his power, turning in or turning past statements from Uh, some of President Trump's top allies to help make their case. House prosecutors used old comments from Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, Attorney General William Barr, and Trump's impeachment defense lawyer, Alan uh, Dershowitz, to bolster their argument that the abuse of power is grounds to remove a president and appointed to Trump's own statements to illustrate his guilt. It is just when you start using the office, you're acting in a way that hurts people, you commit a high crime, uh, said on the Senate floor. Uh, I think some of my thoughts is kind of listening, also listening to Representative um, uh, Jeffries uh, even used uh, the infamous quote, if you don't know, now you know, popular Biggie Smalls lyric. Definitely there's grounds there. The the fact of or how the impeachment trial is going to play out is if certain witnesses are allowed and already Senator Mitch McConnell has stated that he will not allow uh, new evidence of certain witnesses to be um, basically allowed to testify. So the question is, is this really due process or is this political going through the motions? And right now, to me, even listening to some of the comments from Representative Schiff, that this is more of a good, valiant effort and political uh going through the motions. I'm trying to look for a better word to say or a better phrase, but I don't know if this is the process that needs to happen. Not because it's not the correct process, but because it is not correctly implemented. And since there are limitations set forth by uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell that, you know, basically prohibit the process from its full totality uh, and its reach, uh, it's basically going to lead to, you know, an overthrow or or basically not being impeached uh, or not having a true weighted uh, 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 course of action, politically speaking. So um, this, you know, we'll see. 
maybe testimony or some shocking evidence will come about. But um, from this standpoint, it looks like right now they're kind of just doing justice. And I know Representative Nadler and them have presented their articles. Uh, but if you're not able to pursue the articles in the full manner in which the Constitution has granted you, uh, because the leader of the Senate, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, has already stated by which grounds you can prosecute, then therefore, do you have a fighting chance is really the question at hand. Former Wells Fargo CEO uh, is in trouble. Lucy Bailey goes on to write that John Stumpf, the former head of Wells Fargo who presided over the bank's cross-selling scandal, has been barred from ever working for a bank. Uh, it was announced today by federal officials. The actions have announced by the Office of Comptroller of the Currency today has reinforced uh, the agency's expectations and that the management and employee of national banks and federal savings associations have provided fair access to financial services, treat customers fairly, and comply with applicable laws and regulations. Comptroller of the Currency, Joseph Otting, has said in a statement that eight former executives uh, were fined in their role for sales fraud, including Carrie Tosselt, head of the Community Banking Division at the Center of Scandal. Stump has agreed to pay $17.5 million personal fine and facing a penalty that the regulators say could top $25 million. The once thriving San Francisco-based banking giant has experienced sluggish demand for its services since the scandal first came to light in 2016. It has paid a, over $185 million in fines for unethical sales practices that have included opening around $3.5 million fake accounts without customer authorization. It has also settled a $110 million class action lawsuit and is currently facing a slew of lawsuits that could total $3 billion. Some of my thoughts, it's interesting that you settled $110 million. You opened up fake accounts totaling $3.5 million. Uh, Stumpf, the CEO John Stumpf, has already paid and agreed to or is agreeing to pay $17.5 million personal fine. And all you have basically is an economic sanction with no actual, and I, and I guess I don't know if it is jail needed, but if you've done all this uh, felonious, scandalous, unethical you know, gesture to acquire this mass wealth, and all you have to do is pay back a percentage of it, Where's the penalty? Is my question. You know, uh, if you, you know, drive reckless and they take, you know, or if you're speeding and you get hit with a large, you know, ticket and you got to go to court and do all this, it seems like that's more daunting than this because you have the money, you have the resources. Is all this reported accurately? You know, the company is taking the brunt of the force. You, you're you out, so you can't be a banker, but then you can start a career as what? You know, uh, and I'm not looking for, you know, what I would call, like, make him a pariah, but I, I do wonder, is this a stiff enough penalty? Um, because if these are agreed upon, you know, fines, and I'm sure lawyers have been, you know, actively involved on both sides, um so this is some negotiated, you know, arbitrary piece in a sense. Um, really, what has the penalty been or allocated to? To me, this is another slap on the wrist for a white collar crime. Um, that basically, because you know, you're dealing with 
large number of financial assets and and um, uh, activity and felonious activity from a white collar standpoint and and unethical deeds because it's seen in a different light. It's not criminal. It's unethical, right? Like there's no even mention of the word criminality in here uh, or felonious. It's it's just penalty and and fake and ethics and that's the difference uh between somebody you know going to jail <laughs> uh for you know i don't i don't know having or or being fined and having their license revo- revoked because they were unable to pay you know parking tickets on the car um to somebody who stole millions of dollars and defrauded customers out of millions of dollars and that's 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 an injustice that has to change Mayor Lightfoot has decided to uh, add a congestion tax to cut down on the worsening traffic conditions in the city of Chicago. This tax would affect ride-hauling services like Uber and Lyft uh, and other uh, ride-sharing services, and it would be in effect from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. and would affect or would basically be constrained to the downtown all the way up to the north side of Chicago. The problem with this... (laughs) is uh, even though it is expected to yield an annual um, revenue of $40 million, is that it will deter and detract uh, consumers from utilizing these services, which would impact the drivers themselves, would be a negative impact on them. And secondly, it affects uh, the constituents of the neighborhoods. I think there is a misnomer that all the constituents of those neighborhoods are wealthy, uh, but in actuality, the largest of the fastest growing demographic in those neighborhoods are young professionals who are actually bordering or not bordering, but are actually living with, you know, two to three roommates on average uh, to acquire these rental properties. Uh, so I don't know if this congestion tax is the greatest means of trying to control, uh, you know, the worsening traffic conditions. Obviously, Chicago is a major hub and people flock to the city Um, and the city has a lot to offer and Chicago traffic has always been an issue like any major metropolitan city Uh, but basically creating a system of of taxation that would deter movement into to me would ultimately affect the bottom half right Uh, yes those who can afford will always you know, flourish and be viable within this new implemented system. But I think ultimately it it is starting to separate the city into the haves and the have-nots. And I don't see this as uh, a good means to an end. I don't see this as a good viable system. I see this as a quick way to create immediate impact. Is that impact positive? That remains to be seen, but ultimately, when you're trying to change the traffic patterns and not just create a new stream of revenue, uh, taxation, <laughs> I, I feel like that's the the go-to, uh, is just another tax. Uh, there are other means. There's an updated uh, public transportation. There's uh, increasing benefits for utilizing um, uh Things like the L, like the Metro, uh, like walking. <laughs> but ultimately, it's just, you know, dealing with, I think, some of the factors that affect Chicago. Because Chicago is such a cold city and it's it's cold for so long, 
you know, sometimes even public transportation becomes a, a negative view because, you know, you want the privacy and the warmth of controlling your own means of transportation, i.e. like a car. Uh, so, and obviously we can't control the weather, right? Uh, so, uh, creating a system of basically transportation that would be enclosed, you know, similar to what Minnesota has, uh, would help in that aspect. Um, and I think these green initiatives would lead to a cut down on just utilizing, you know, vehicle transportation and, and having this kind of, you know, Uber fixation. Uh, but until that is developed, this congestion tax will only deter uh, those who are not of that upper one, five, or ten percent uh, from entering into the city, and ultimately that help that hurts uh, as far as the diversity uh, of the city. Another uh, whistleblowing fraudulent case, uh, Gretchen Morganson goes on to write that Florida investment firm has inflated value earning of his main fund. Uh, whistleblowers of the TCA fund management group has $300 million in assets, not $500 million, not $500 million in assets, and is earning 1.92% a year, not 7 or 8. Florida-based investment firm that oversees this $500 million in assets has inflated its main hedge fund as is in return since 2017, according to three employees who have filed a whistleblower complaint with the Security and Exchange Commission. TCA Fund Management Group Global Credit Master Fund, which lends money to small and mid-sized companies in distress, has failed to book losses on defaulted loans and has recorded fee revenues it has not received and never will receive. Bloomberg Law has reported that his letters to investors have stated that the Global Credit Master Fund has received redemption and withdrawal requests in excess of available cash and that it planned to liquidate its fund amid ongoing SEC investigation. Uh, NBC News has not independently confirmed this. Uh, so basically, another company has overstated its valuation, overstated its return on investment to encourage investors uh, to basically buy into the company and growth shares. And has led to this fraudulent behavior. Again, where's the penalty? Obviously, the SEC is incurring or going through a current investigation and will determine that fate and that course of action. Uh, but it, it seems like there's no real penalty penalty for being fraudulent, uh, being unethical. Uh, you can amass a great wealth and then pay back a percentage of the fraudulent activity that occurred. And if that's the only course of action, then, you know, where's the deterrent? Uh, the SEC is, is a governing body to, you know, monitor financial institutions, monitor trades, monitor market insight and data uh, and, and, and action and receivables. But there's no like, you know, the, you know, the SEC is not like, you know, roaming the streets of Chicago, right? It's a different type of you know, niche, it's a different type of industry, different type of um policing system i guess you could call it that uh but it, it just goes to show that you know this is a common uh trend a common practice um in organizational structure and you know the only reason this came about is because of employees that were ethical uh, so this definitely has to be an injustice that has to be corrected That's all the time I have. Uh, definitely look forward to engaging with you again. Uh, I was able to bring uh, 
needed information, pertinent information, love connecting with you, love engaging. Let me know what you want to hear. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at CVMK33. Um, uh, definitely going to put out some needed video footage and working to really build that up and build our digital presence. Uh, but until next time, it's been a blast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly with It Is What It Is podcast.